0: Why do people become sexologists? What do sexologists do? And what are they like? Welcome to the podcast, From One Sexologist to Another, with your host, Sikatuk the Sexologist from Iceland. Hi, Tanya. Welcome to the show, From One Sexologist to Another. How are you doing today? Hi, hi. hi, and good morning. I'm fine. Hope you are too. Yes, I am. Thank you. It's morning here in Iceland as well.
1: Cold. Yeah, it's here here too, and uh, not too cold
0: yet. Uh it's snowing here. I'm really cold, like shitty weather. Okay. Okay. So, can you tell me um a little bit about your work as a sexologist?
1: Uh, okay. Um, do you also need me to tell you a little bit about my background so that it's yes, more okay? Um, so I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. Uh, and a Master's Degree in Sexology Um, and I have been working uh, for about six years as a private sexologist uh, here in Thessaloniki, in Greece. Um, Thessaloniki is the second biggest uh, city in Greece. Uh, So my work uh, revolves around uh, helping uh, individuals and couples as well deal with uh, sexual dysfunctions, relationship issues, you know, issues around uh, sexual orientation, gender dysphoria, a whole range of what uh, sexology covers. You know that there is not uh, just one topic. It uh, it covers a range of uh, themes.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you want to
1: ask me anything more specific, or should I elaborate on something uh, a bit more?
0: So they come to you with uh, gender dysphoria. They do not go to the hospital.
1: Um, first, they need to have. Uh, they need to be evaluated. They need to have. Um, um, Kind of a license that says it's okay for them to do like a hormone therapy or take the next steps. So they need um, a paper from um, a psychotherapist, uh, and, I mean, psychiatrist, sorry, and also a, a psychologist.
0: Yeah, okay. And are, are you're one of the people who evaluates if they can go to the hormone therapy?
1: Yes, of course I'm doing it with uh, my supervisor because uh, I have not had that many uh, experience in this field, but I think it's fascinating and uh, it's an issue here in Greece that um, it starts evolving and I'm, I'm really happy about it, that people are starting to talk about it, you know, it used to be very taboo, very secret.
0: Oh, okay. So are you seeing a lot of people transgender now or more?
1: Um, not a lot because, you know, still the majority uh, never uh, goes through the, uh, the normal you know in quotation marks uh, way because they don't want to have to go through all this uh, evaluation process it takes about two years you know the evaluation and then they have to uh, live in the uh, desired sex for at least a year before they can uh, proceed with the surgery for example Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but of course yes there is an increase compared to my first years you know when i first started working i think there's definitely an increase
0: Okay, here in Iceland we're talking a lot about what they call genderqueer, so people who do not want to be defined by one gender. Is that popular or is that on the rise in Greece? It is on the rise, yeah, not so much
1: because I think we're just happy that people um, are learning about gender dysphoria in general, you know, I think you're a bit ahead of us in this respect. But yeah, there is a a tendency to to be more open about this stuff and now you know with the uh, we have voted that uh, a teenager at uh, the age of 15, uh, he can seek a medical evaluation, uh, psychological evaluation uh, for gender dysphoria uh, without the parents' consent which is a huge step uh, for us here.
0: Yeah okay, so there's not a big community of parents that uh, like are supporting one another for, for transgender kids or? not in a formal way I'm sure there are
1: like groups and uh, you know and seminars are being held and people talk more about it but it's not like you know that you know that if there is the, this is the case that this is where you need to go you have to search on, like online or maybe ask um, if you know someone
0: okay yeah. but, but how is the LGBT community in your country
1: um, still uh,
0: okay there's a lot of uh, work to be done.
1: There's still a lot of discrimination, uh, a lot of racism, but uh, again, uh, people are beginning to be to become more open about
0: it, to talk more about it. it. You hear about it on the radio, on the TV. Are people safe, you know, like two gay men holding hands or two lesbians holding hands on the street?
1: Well, I'm not sure about the holding hands. Well, for, for two men, you know, it would be uh, more difficult compared to women. And we tend to be a bit more um, I think uh, flexible, you know, about uh, female sexuality. Mm. Uh, but if, for example, they were kissing, yeah, people would, would stare, they would make comments. Okay. Yeah, definitely.
0: But or do they do they have then um, like clubs or cafes that are openly like cater to gay people, or you know, have the rainbow flag or something like that?
1: There are mostly in Athens. You know, because it's the capital there's a lot of uh, anonymity there it's, it's easier okay. uh, also here but again not as much as you would expect being uh, 2017.
0: Yeah okay
1: Wow, that's really interesting. Is, is it uh, very different uh, than Iceland?
0: Yeah well yeah most places are I don't think we can always be a comparison but, um, but tell me a little bit more. Um, did you always want to be do you always want to be a sexologist? You know that's that's a funny question because uh, luck
1: had a lot to do with uh, with that actually. Um, until I was in my final year of my bachelor, I didn't even know that uh, sexology existed, that, like that it was a thing. Um, you know, we we didn't learn about it in the university, or we know we knew that we could become a, a clinical psychologist or a, you know a child therapist, but nothing about sexology. Mm-hmm. Uh, So during my final year, I had to choose a place to do my practical training. You know, we had to do a six-month practical training in order to get our degree. Uh, And I heard about this place called the Center of Sexual and Reproductive Health here Mm -hmm. in my city. And I said, okay, sounds fun, it sounds interesting, you know, let's let's go and do that. And this was actually, uh, it involved attending an open phone helpline, you know, where people would call and ask uh, advice about sexual issues or relationship stuff. Yeah, okay. Uh, and that, and that is where I first learned that sexology was a thing, and that you could actually become a sexologist. And of course, you know, it, I, I, I have always been fascinated by such things. So this played also a, a part. Um, also. It, uh, it helped me because um, there are so few sexologists here in Greece that uh, choosing this profession would offer me better employment prospects, you know, instead of being a, a general psychologist, a clinical psychologist. I would have a specialization that more, not a lot of people would have.
0: Mm, right. But what about, um, are there many sexologists in Greece? No,
1: I think there are like, you know, five or six in total. Really? Yeah, which is still more than uh, many other countries, of course, okay, but, uh, but still very few. And most of, most of them are in Thessaloniki, not in Athens, because of the center that uh, I told you about.
0: Yeah, and do you work with the center today?
1: Uh, no, I think the center has closed, but today I work uh, privately because uh, I have more clients, you know, there has been an increase, so it covers my, my financial needs.
0: Have you seen a difference in the problems that the clients bring to you? Have you seen a difference in the seven years that you've been working?
1: Um, I have seen a difference in in, in that uh, now I see more people with relationship issues as well, not just sexual difficulties. Because, you know, first when people hear, about, hear the word sexology or sexologist, they immediately think about sex only, not about relationship mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I think it's also because I advertise myself more now about I, I post uh, YouTube videos that talk about infidelity, for example, you know, dealing with um, uh, communication issues in relationships, so I think this also played a uh, part.
0: Do you think but- it's taboo to go to you? Do you think it's people don't tell other people that they're going to see a sexologist? Of course, they, they never tell. They,
1: they always tell me you're the first person that I talk to about this thing. Um, that's why my most important tool is my website, you know, they're not gonna ask their neighbor or their friend, do you know of a good sexologist, you know, like, do you go for a good dentist or, or that? Right, right. So that's why you have to advertise. Yeah, but, but I think that more young people now start to not see this so much as a taboo now. I see that there's this uh, shift towards young people visiting me more.
0: Oh, okay. And are, are their um, problems different from older people's?
1: Um, I think there's a lot of pressure about performance, uh, sexual performance on young people. Like older people, they will come uh, more often, okay, they will come at some point if there's a sexual difficulty, but mostly they would come um, about relationship stuff. Young people will come about uh, Anxiety for, for their erection, for example, or uh, the pressure, you know, to have a, an orgasm or why they're not in the mood so much. And they get anxious really fast, you know, from their first experiences.
0: Yeah, okay. So do you find that it's more females or males that get anxious about orgasm and performance and pleasure? Uh, you know, um, guys mostly get anxious about erection,
1: about uh, ejaculation, yes. And women, well, women not so much. No, I think... They mostly come to therapy when their partner has a problem with them having an issue, Mm. if that makes uh, sense.
0: Okay, so they're not... uh, it's more men that come to you then?
1: Mostly couples, I would say. But yeah, when I see individuals, it's mostly men,
0: yeah. Yeah, okay. That's really interesting. Why do you think that um, young people are so quick to seek assistance? I'm not sure, I, I think it's about to watch a lot of porn, you know, which unfortunately
1: is the main um, tool for sexual education which shouldn't be the case because in schools uh, not much is covered. Uh, also on TV there's a lot of... Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, we seem to talk about sex but not like in um, in an informative way. It's, it's being done in like a sensational way. So, oh, you, you need to have these um, high levels, high standards of uh, performing and uh, there's a lot of peer pressure also. They always tell me when they come uh, to therapy that, but my, but this is what you're saying can't be true because my friend told me that his first time was amazing or, you know, a lot of exaggeration. And yeah. they think that uh, they can't measure up, so they get anxious when things don't go, you know, like they thought they would go from the first time. Wow,
0: okay, that's really interesting. But yeah. how is, um like, how is sex talked about in the media in Greece? Is it, is it often... On like TV shows or in the newspaper or something like that. Um, again, there is a shift towards talking more uh, professionally
1: about it, you know, like in an informative way, giving the right info. But yeah, there is a lot of sensationalism going on in the tabloids or even in morning shows. Mm. Yeah, like uh, they they want you to to give a, a twist, a, a funny or sensational twist to it. Because they think that it's more appealing to the viewers, and maybe it is, but you know, we should start changing that. I think.
0: Right. So they don't really allow for like professional, accurate information.
1: They do, but yeah, not so much—not as you would expect.
0: Right. Okay. But do you have you ever um, done any sexual education in schools?
1: Um, you mean receive or participate in programs educating?
0: Oh, just both. Uh,
1: no, for sure, that <laughs> if we did, from what I remember, it would be only the, um, the biology of it, you know, the reproductive system, mm-hmm. and maybe about protection, yeah, how to avoid the pregnancy or STIs, that, that sort of thing, yeah. um, and no, I haven't been asked or I haven't, you know, had the chance to, to look into it more, to participate in some seminars or, you know.
0: Do you know if, there, if the sexual education in schools has changed? I'm
1: not sure. From what I hear, it hasn't changed uh, much. It, it, it is mostly up to the individual professor, you know, a teacher to decide which topics. So if they are uncomfortable with it, which most people are, you know, because they don't know how to do it, mm-hmm. um, they would just cover the basics. So how babies are made and how to avoid the pregnancy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's the same in most countries in the world, but everybody wants to change it, but it just so it doesn't seem to change because the government it doesn't put funding and nobody puts it as a priority.
1: Yeah, of course now in Greece you know with the financial crisis it's it's very difficult to to put pressure about such stuff. They are always going to tell you we have more important things to worry about, you know.
0: Mhm. do you still feel a lot from the financial crisis? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> it may be even worse than it was before. Oh, okay. There's there's high unemployment, uh, protests, uh, all, all sort of thing. You know, people are, are really
0: disappointed and uh, angry. Yeah, because it's been going on for so many years now.
1: Yeah, it started when I was still and uh, was doing my master's degree. We would started we were starting to hear that all oh, the crisis is coming, you know, mm. and
0: yeah, it has been
1: going for uh, about six
0: years now. Wow. Okay, that must be really challenging. So I guess I mean that's also one of the factor that maybe maybe you would have more clients if they had more money to be able to pay for that service. Yeah, of course, like I, I have a colleague who started uh, before
1: working before the crisis, and she told me that uh, now she has half the clients she used to have you know on average. Okay. definitely. or maybe people tell me, you know, I wish I could uh, I could come, but I don't have the money or maybe if you could give me some free advice, you know they're always trying to. To get out of pain, which makes sense, you know, consider the circumstances.
0: Right. Um, okay. Well, that's that's very interesting. Do you um, do you work with the other sexologists in your country? Like, do you know the other ones?
1: Uh, I know them. One of them is my supervisor, the one I told you about just now, because she's uh, has a lot of more experience than me, especially like in the field of gender dysphoria that we discussed uh, before. Mm-hmm. And
0: another one is with my friend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's perfect. That works well. Um, yeah. Do you want no, to ta- talk? No, sorry. About it, sorry. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, how you liked where you studied and how you um, experienced studying sexuality?
1: Um, okay. Uh, you know a lot about this issue as well. Um, well we might have very different experiences. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we might have. Well, to tell you the truth, I wasn't that much interested in, uh, in psychology in general before I did my Master. So, you know, I, it, it felt a lot of, uh, it felt um, very theoretical to me in the university. Like, you know, we learned about the different uh, fields and different um, um, pros- uh, perspectives, you know, on, uh, on treatment. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, it lacked the practical training. And the training I told you about before, it wasn't uh, it wasn't so hands-on experience. So I found the master really fascinating because for the first time I realized that yes, this knowledge can be applied to actually help people. And there is uh, there are exercises that you can give people, and there is a treatment plan that you can uh, talk to them about. It's not just counseling in more in the more general sense. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean?
0: Yeah, and also it was. I mean, it's very different. I think where we studied sexology, because we studied together at Curtin University. It's very different. We had a small class, and there was a lot of personal sharing, something you would never do, at least not in the University of Iceland, because I also took a psychology degree as a bachelor's degree. And Mm -hmm. there you would never, I mean, we had classes with over 100 people, and it was just the lecturer talking all the time. So for me, the sexology course was very different, the master's degree.
1: Yeah, I didn't have, I didn't really have expectations. I didn't know what to expect, but that was a great, uh, a great part that you would uh, meet, you know, so many people with different backgrounds, and um, yeah, they would all come together and share different experiences, and yeah, the mixture, the, the final result was was fascinating for me.
0: Yeah, I agree, because we also learned a lot from the students that were with us, not just from you know the material that we were being taught. Of course, yeah, and, and it's very interesting to see, you know, how these people evolved and what they did
1: after finishing the master's. Yeah. Uh, always, I'm always very glad to, 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 to see, you know, that sexology
0: is, is, is such a broad field, you know, you can do a lot of things with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Um, has anything about being a sexologist surprised you?
1: Uh, surprised me? Mm. Maybe... Uh, how I don't know how how do you say it exactly? Not how bold people are sometimes. Um, they will ask very strange things sometimes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Without even knowing you, and they'll just ask you.
1: Yeah. Or yes. Now that you said that, uh, when you meet uh, some people, you like a friend of a friend, you know, for the first time. Sometimes they think that just because you are a sexologist, you want to know about their own sex life, which of course is not the case. You know, they just. Uh, Give you bombard you know with, with information that you didn't ask for
0: yeah. and you don't want to know. Do you do you Eve, ever get asked about your own sex life? Do you feel like they feel it's okay to ask you how you feel about sex?
1: Uh, they don't really ask me, but they assume sometimes. <laughs> you yeah. know, they they tell me, oh, since you are the professional, so your boyfriend must be very happy, or you must have everything resolved. And I tell them, you know, it's 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 not the same. It's yeah. not the same. Work is different.
0: Yes, of course. And uh, yeah, I I get that as well. It's it's and it's so funny when people say that. Yeah. Um what do you think are like what do you think are the big challenges in the future of sexology?
1: Uh you mean in Greece or in general? Just both. Both. Um, Well, one thing that I would have to say about uh, Greece... Well, okay, let's start with the more general stuff. I think that it is is necessary. It's Because many people also see it as a luxury. You know, that, oh, if I have the money, I will go to the sexologist. It's not. Our sexual health is is very important to our Uh well-being. I totally support that. Um, And because it is necessary, uh, and because it is very new, I think that we have to have more information, you know, in general about it. Talk about it in the media, through universities, uh, schools, seminars, Mm -hmm. uh, get more young people to to become interested in it and maybe become involved in it, you know, because a lot of uh, research needs to be done. Um, But one specific issue in Greece is that, uh, I don't know if the same in Iceland, Um, the profession of of the sexologist is not legally recognized in Greece. Mm -hmm. So that means there is is no protection, that virtually anyone can say that okay, I have attended uh, two seminars and now I'm a sexologist. Yeah, okay. So it needs to be made legal, we need to be protected.
0: Right. Um, Do you have like the National Association of Sexologists in Greece? No, it's
1: uh, of psychologists, not sexologists.
0: You need to start that. We have that in Iceland, even though there are just three sexologists here.
1: Yes, we're we're actually the third generation of sexologists in Greece. So yeah, this should be done.
0: Because I think um, that's one of the things that we do if somebody is um, using the title that they are a sex expert or that they are a sexologist, um, we will actually talk to that person and be like, well, actually you can't use that, you know, even though it's not protected by law. But uh, and we have written about this in the media and stuff, saying how do you know when somebody is giving advice just from their personal experience versus when you're hearing from a professional?
1: Yeah, yeah, this needs to be done here as well. You know, because people always want to, to look for free stuff. They don't always think that okay, is this the correct information or not? Mm-hmm. So they would go to a virtually anyone who will say that okay, I can help you. Um, but here, yes, you need to have a license. Like okay, I'm, re- I'm registered as a psychologist. You need to have a license, you know, in uh, the field to be working uh, as a as health uh, therapist. Uh, but it's yeah, you're not protected. I- I'm, I'm registered as a psychologist, and I just advertise myself as a sexologist.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you say that um, the Greek, the Greek culture, because I don't know, my stereotype of Greece is, you know, really strong beautiful women and men who are very masculine and kind of like the Italians, you know Talking with their hands and quite loudly and you know For me as an outsider looking in to Greece I would think that like sex is a big part of your culture that like there's a lot of eroticism and romance and what do you think am I misunderstanding Greece? Uh, You're
1: not misunderstanding the stereotype for sure. Yeah, it it exists, but Um, I don't know about strong, beautiful women uh, so much, but yeah, there is, uh, this machismo does exist, the stereotype, you know, about uh, men, and this is what puts on that pressure that we talked about before, Mm -hmm. that they have to measure up to this high standard of being
0: um, great lovers, you know, the best ever. So how is like like um, uh, masculinity and because, because now in the media they've been talking a lot about how um, like sexual harassment and Me Too. How was Me Too in Greece? Uh,
1: sorry, how is what?
0: Uh, the Me Too hashtag, Me Too, where everybody was talking about on social media sexual harassment or sexual violence that they experienced. Was that not in Greece?
1: Uh, I'm not sure what you're referring to or I'm not sure I understand that. Yeah,
0: okay. It it was when um in Hollywood the Harvey Weinstein? When all oh, the yeah, actresses yeah, okay. started yes. saying
1: yes, it was talked about it here. It was talked about here as well.
0: And did people start putting on social media their stories of sexual harassment and experience?
1: Not so much here. I think they commented on it and they, yeah, there was I I don't know, because I mostly saw it on, you know, my Facebook uh, feed. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not sure it was talked so much.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Here. In Iceland, was it different? It was huge. Yeah, it was huge. It was all you would see on Facebook and every social media and in the news and it was just it was really loud and it ended up actually um, uh, splitting up the government. No, that's alongside one case. So um, every everything that has to do with sexual harassment and violence is very um, relevant and loud here in Iceland.
1: No, I think Greece is, uh, is is very much behind in this aspect. He has a lot of way to go.
0: Okay. Do you think because uh, do, do you think you need more discussion about feminism or equality? Uh, what do you think? Um,
1: this also, also, but
0: I think the main thing is, is now because
1: everyone focuses on the, on the crisis, you know, how to deal with the crisis and there are all, there's always seem to be some issue about uh, around
0: this thing. I think that, that's the main reason. Right, so everything else just stands still and doesn't change because you're focusing on that? Uh, it changes a bit.
1: <laughs> like I told you about uh, the vote on uh, gender dysphoria, you know, starting at the 15th, that you can seek treatment, but very slowly. Very, very slowly, yeah.
0: Okay. So you need to educate your Greek men about the the masculinity that they think that they should have is hurting them.
1: Yeah, I I always, you know, of course I try to do it with my clients or when they ask me over at the radio program or, uh, you know, or or when I write an article about a magazine.
0: But more people need to be doing that so that it, you know, slowly... Yeah, Changes. but where are you on the radio? Can people get access to your information? I think we need to put a put a link in the um, description of this show so that people can access you and uh, um, contact you to find more information.
1: What do you uh, think? It will is be, the... it, will, it will be in Greek, uh, though.
0: Yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, I hope some Greek. I will have some Greek listeners who will listen to this. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, I will be on this uh, Saturday uh, at 11 o'clock. It's called um, Arena FM. Okay. And are you every Saturday or...? Um, It's a new thing, so I'm not sure how it's going to work out.
0: Okay. Okay. So, but mostly in your everyday work, you are getting clients for for, um, counseling or... Is that your everyday work? Yeah, that's your everyday work. I, I
1: also work through Skype a lot. And oh, okay. uh, not, not only with people, you know, of course, with people from other cities in Greece, but also with many Greeks abroad. Yeah, I have people from Canada, from uh, from Sweden, oh, okay. uh, Romania, that they, the Greeks you know, they, they want to speak Greek. They're looking for someone to talk to speak in their language.
0: Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I understand that. So you are the you are the Greek sexologist for the world. And not uh, well, there
1: are a few others, but, <laughs> yeah, I, but it is, yeah. It's it's good. It's good to be able to help, even through Skype. You know, I always prefer to have the people come here and talk face to face, but it's the next best thing, as I tell them.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I think it's perfect because, like you said, people are all over the world and, I mean, me and you are now doing this in separate countries. So, it's. I mean, we have to use the technology that we have.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, before I let you go, is there anything else that you want to add to it?
1: Um, no, I no, can't think of anything right now. Okay. Uh, just that, yeah, that sexology is fascinating that, and that people need to, to learn more about it and um, see where it leads them. Yeah, if they want, even if they want to do research or become sexologists or just talk about it more, I think it's, it's great.
0: Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you for the chat and we'll have all your information in the description so that people know how to find you and can talk to you in their mother tongue of Greece. Thank you very much. It was so nice to, to hear
1: from you and chat with you.
0: Okay, thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of From One Sexologist to Another. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can contact me on my website, sigaduck.com. That's sigado dot com.